You're listening to the Insight to Action podcast. My name is Donna Jones. I'm your host. And in this program, we're talking about platform design, which is a means to design your business and what you're trying to do, what you're trying to put out in the world, in a means that really is effective in this day and age, in this world. It's faster, it's cheaper, and it achieves things that industrial models can't do. While setting up this virtual reality startup, I was talking to a colleague of mine, a colleague of ours, my guest today, and he was very thoughtful about laying out some of the things that I need to look at in doing this, and so it just made sense to have a conversation with Simona Cicciotto from Rome, Italy, because Simona has developed a platform design toolkit. So I think we better start with what is a platform and why is it important and, and why does someone like an entrepreneur or someone wanting to be an entrepreneur or thinking about things differently in this new world of, of uh, startups need to know? Yeah. Uh, the first question, like uh, what is a platform, is not that easy to answer, but I will try. So basically... People are using the word platform to describe a lot of different things. Uh, most of them try to describe a technology that uh, can uh, connect uh, brands and users or in general users uh, among them to achieve some kind of workflow or in general some kind of actions, let's say. More in general, I would say that it's a way to organize markets. It's a way to shape markets, as uh, many say. It's a way, let's say, to motivate parties in an ecosystem to join a particular business model, let's say. So there are lots of different definitions. Normally, I, I rely on the definitions from one interesting definition from Sanjit Shodari that defines platforms as business models and the parties can plug into. So if you are a brand and you create a, this business model to which uh, all the parties can, can connect, can participate uh, with. And another cool uh, definition is, again, is that from John Hagel that uh, refers to platforms more like uh, essentially as uh, governance structures, so let's say shared media for interaction, uh, where someone, uh, most likely the platform owner, dictates the rule for the collaboration and cooperation and solve disputes and ensure that it's clear to everybody what is the role that the entities can play in the game, let's say. And another interesting way, always from John Hagel, to address and to define platforms is as basically what he calls galvanizing messages. So you come to, to an existing possibility, an opportunity in the market, you create this shared vision and message to motivate everybody to participate, and then if you are lucky and, and good in you know, making the ecosystem grow, then you, are, then you have changed things forever, let's say, on, on a particular market or, or a market sec- sector, let's say, like, for example, like Airbnb did for the travel industry. Why it's important is, of course, uh, it's important because it's, I would say, it's possible because technology made platforms possible. So now you can reach uh, many entities. You, uh, the, the coordination cost is very, is very low. You, you know, the, the transaction cost among parties is very low thanks to pervasive technologies. So actually now it's possible to create platforms. So it would be stupid to to stick to industrial model that costs a lot of money to build and normally are not very effective, let's say. The other question is, it's needed. 
And let me explain briefly why. Because now, basically, we live in a, in a world where everybody wants something different, something personal. So we live in an age of mass personalization, let's say. So every brand that's in the market and needs to create something, even if it's a small company, really needs to address a, a very much a very different, uh, let's say, economies of scope, basically, of demand. So a lot of different demands, people are wanting different uh, products and services adapted to their personal needs. And so if you want, if you try to respond to this diversity of needs with an industrial approach, so with a bureaucracy, basically, you end up having a cost of uh, responding to a customer, which is so high that uh, it would make it unworthy for you. To, to still respond to the long tails of the market and to this mass personalization and make money, what you need to do is just enable the participant to self-organize. You don't provide any service or product. Just connect parties in the periphery of the system and let them self-organize and just take a very small part of the pie, say. So that's how platform work and that's how that's why they are they are needed because it's it's just a the time of the platform moment, let's say, in the, in the digital economy. So what it seems you're talking about here is the in, in traditional industrial models, they built things on a linear, very linear pathway. And now we have to, by definition, because of the nature of complexity and the nature of how we're communicating with one another and everything else, is we move to more of an ecosystem-based approach. So it sounds like the platform then is that it fills that niche. It gives that, that, that spot where you plug in and you've, you've now got the basis for building an ecosystem, which is something that a linear approach just can't simply pull off. If you try to respond linearly to nonlinear uh, complex dynamics happening in the, in the demand side of your company, so trying to respond to uh, customers you know, with a linear approach, uh, what you have is an explosion of cost. You know? So that's why you really need to, to think about your organization differently, no more like uh, uh, something that is encompassed by the traditional boundaries, like uh, thinking to your organization as a set of employees uh, managing uh, resources that you own directly. But you need to think to your organization more as a story, let's say, more as a way to convince entities which are not belonging to your organization at all formally let's say but to behave and represent your brand and to behave in in line with your your uh, uh, your objectives which uh, in this case should definitely be the objectives uh, shared with the ecosystem so that's why we move from uh, uh, let's say companies that are able to define their strategies and objectives internally uh, into a context where organizations are more a soft uh, organisms, let's say, more permeable organisms, and their the mission needs to be really, their vision, their vision, their strategy needs to be really shared among a lot of parties that need to collaborate with them, achieving a, a broader objective. So not a, not a, a company objective, but a sy- systemic objective, a system, let's say, ecosystem objective. What would be an example of that? I mean, certainly what came to mind was Steve Dennings, uh, Forbes contributor Steve Dennings' <laughs> mantra, delight the customer. Is that, is that the kind of level that you're referring to? Well, now I think we are more into, um, the goal is more the story you craft. And most of these stories now are uh, the ones that are really changing. Think, so, think about, I don't know, for example, uh, 
really Airbnb is a very easy example no but uh, it's a promise to rethink how travel works and uh, you know g- getting past the, the the traditional way of traveling so really uh, opening a new way uh, opening new way of traveling based on relationships so the promise is not really on delighting customers but it's really about uh, answering to their i would say their motivations so that's essentially the difference between the product narrative the, cu- the customer narrative and the ecosystem narrative so the narrative we are used is a narrative of solving a customer's problem with a solution and that worked very well in the industrial age but now we are facing a new narrative which is empowering ecosystem potentials so it's a it's not no more about a solution that delights a customer, but it's about creating a, a new, let's say, context that can be shared and used by many players in an ecosystem to achieve their objectives, to, uh, let's say, to fulfill their, uh, their needs and to, well, I would say to really to empower their motivations and their potential. And co-create by the sound of it as well. Yeah, definitely, because in the end, if you have a company or now that needs to, let's say, share the objective with a larger ecosystem, the more, the most challenging part of evolving a strategy of a company now, it's really in this tension between what the company empowers the party to do, so its ecosystem to do, and what needs to be done by the company itself. So it's always this uh, complementary set of services and uh, Normally, you know, for example, uh, the, the example of Amazon, Amazon created this service to create uh, platforms, uh, let's say cloud-based, uh, cloud-based uh, infrastructures. And then at some point, uh, the, the, the users of uh, Amazon Web Services started to work a lot on, on big data. And at some point in time, uh, Amazon created a, a flagship offering, let's say, based on Hadoop and, and big data. Uh, in a way, eating part of the ecosystem pie. But then the ecosystem now it's evolving into higher level of services. Platforms are very famous to be places where there is collaboration and competition in the same uh, moment. And this doesn't just happen between the players in the ecosystem, but also between the players in the ecosystem and, in, and the brand itself. So that's more or less uh, that's more or less the point okay no excellent as you're describing this i'm realizing that one of the pro- episodes i did with carl mattingly on crowd forecasting is is very much a platform for that because everybody comes there they pr- they put in their forecasts their predictions they use it for hedge fund modeling and, and largely in the financial services but that's exactly what it is so so it's a great image that you've presented here those of us that have been working with the new new ways of getting business done have been working with business design canvas and so forth or lean canvas and you know name multiple canvases you have got the the platform design canvas how does that help an entrepreneur think through of the platform and think think this whole thing through the platform design canvas belongs to the family of business design canvases that was uh, more or less uh, created by uh, initiated by Alex Osterwalder with the business model canvas but also has a a lot of roots into the traditional service design uh, world, you know, which has always been based on, on canvases for, for co-creation. So the idea is canvases are tools mostly because you need to co-create with, uh, with others. You know? So you need a visual representation, you need an abstraction of what you're doing. So the platform design toolkit 
starts from reducing the complexity of the problem. So designing a platform is not uh, an easy task. It's a very complex task, as you said. Complex systems are very hard to predict. So what we need to, you know, what we can do with uh, complex systems is uh, throwing experiments, let's say, at them. So we, we try to do something and then we see how it works and then we adjust and then and then and so on and so on. Platform Design Toolkit so far, it's, uh, it's a set of five canvases that uh, let you do what I call uh, the strategic design of the platform. So you, you can craft the strategy, the motivation message. Let's say you can, have a, you can generate an image for how this platform works. So if you're in the future of a market sector, let's say uh, mobility, you know, you can generate vision how the mobility, uh, collaborative mobility can work. What's your idea of this market? So then you need to convince the market to, to work like this. And this goes through validating your assumptions and then prototyping. So platform design toolkit so far, the five tools that are available today help you to define this story. And to define this story, you go from mapping the players, the roles that can be played by the ecosystem players in your, in your vision. Then you analyze their motivations. Then you, you analyze what they can exchange between each other. And you end up being uh, doing essentially two things. One is the engine of transactions. So what are the, the core transactions, the core exchanges, the core uh, uh, exchanges of value that will happen in your platform ecosystem, let's say. And on the other hand, you create what we call the learning engine. So you think of uh, how your, you think about how your platform can create support services for the entities in your ecosystem to evolve, to learn new things, to generate new opportunities, let's say. So that's what you do. You create, with the tools available today, you are able to create these two essential aspects of platform, the transaction engine and the learning engine. So you create your vision. Now we are developing a new part of the toolkit that will be available most likely over the summer, and it's still uh, something that we are going to release in Creative Commons. And uh, this part of the toolkit will help you to move from the idea into actionable hypotheses that you can validate and prototype. So it's about moving from the vision to the, to the prototype, to the validation, and then to do what we call, uh, what many call the growth hacking part. So to move from the creation of the new platform into uh, you know, growing the usage of the platform, because this is an essential aspect of platforms. The platforms that work are the ones that can generate these uh, network effects. Otherwise, it's very, it's very hard. You know, in general, even if uh, what we do is not applicable just to global platforms, even if it's a small platform that wants to, uh, to address or to work into a niche market, so that's the, that's the point of growth uh, hacking. I know you've been doing workshops around Europe on this and, and really helping people step into it and, and, be, and discover how it, its power as a tool. Any examples of, of Eurekas or insights that people have gained from the experimenting with the design toolkit? Well, yes. I mean, we have been working with a lot of different customers and contexts. For example, a very interesting work we have been doing, it's in the health sector. You know, most of the health sectors worldwide now are under a lot of pressure in terms of cost cutting and so on. And so we are trying to help uh, these health providers to achieve more by investing less, by spending less, and doing this by leveraging on the potential of the ecosystem around the patient. 
So, for example, uh, you know, doctors which are not inside the hospital or in general to the institutional context or uh, semi-professional or, or, you know, training professionals, friends, uh, support, families and so on. So this is an example of how you can motivate the ecosystem around the patient to help, the, for example, the patient to get, to get care more into more at home instead of going to the hospital or more in his, uh, in his uh, on her uh, local community, let's say. So that's, for example, something that we have been doing. Another very good example, I think uh, we have been working on with some customers on uh, uh, companies which are focused on hardware products. So the question there is, how can I expand my value proposition beyond the hardware? And then customers uh, need to ask, uh, uh, what is the value chain that is happening on top of its uh, of uh, the hardware uh, products? So, for example, if you sell a fridge, and then you need to understand what's happening uh, with this fridge, and then you you understand that the value chain of food now goes much uh, higher and goes into feeling better, eating well. For example, you understand and you discover that instead of selling just a fridge, you can sell a platform that connects, or you can create a platform that connects. Uh, people that are able to cook and prepare healthy food and deliver that uh, at uh, workplaces, for example. And then you realize suddenly that your, your fridge maybe can be just part of uh, an infrastructure that allows this platform to exist, basically, instead of uh, having to sell one fridge to each uh, customer or office you, you, you consider. But that's uh, just an example. I mean, there are lots of different examples. We have been working on uh, mobility issues, so the, the insight in general, I would say, is uh, to, to really innovate the business of your company, uh, you can do essentially two things. First of all, you can uh, climb the value chain, as I, as I just said. So you need to look at uh, how the, the users, your, your end users, are using your services. What is the value they are looking for? And then try to, to let's say, climb this. And the other option is to really go for... Uh, different business scores. So being less adjacent, let's say, to your existing business score and be more and explore more widely. In both cases, platforms allow companies to do this exploration with less investments, so also with less capex basically, faster because these models grow faster and can help companies to validate their assumption faster than, than, than with the traditional industrial strategies because of course, to build something, you need more money, you need more time, and, and so on, while you, if you leverage on what's, uh, what are the resources and potential existing in the ecosystem, you just need to wire the, the potential that is in the ecosystem and, and see that, that potential start flowing uh, instead of building the, uh, the tools, the resources, and, and hiring the people, and, and, and so on. So it's a wide set of context where you can apply these techniques and uh, this way of thinking, especially because, as I said, it's based on these two engines. You know? First of all, you want to generate relationships and transactions because now, you know, in, in modern uh, age, uh, we, we know that uh, uh, relationships are essential to, for example, to generate learning, to generate experiences and so on. And then you want to support these entities uh, grow their capabilities, generate new opportunities, because everybody is under pressure. No? The digital disruption is creating this huge pressure on companies, small one, big one, 
individuals and so on. So that's why platforms are thriving today, because uh, creating this context offers people possibilities to reinvent themselves, to, to transcend their, their identities, to learn new, new capabilities, generate new opportunities, and, and so on. So that's the, the, the key message be, behind the, the work we are doing. One of the things that I'm intrigued by here is it's the kind of thing that evolves. So you can take it, you can start in one place with it, but you can layer, layer it on as you grow. So there's an aspect of this I want to just probe a bit with you, and that is scaling new business models. In the healthcare sector, like self-organized, I'm thinking of Burtzorg here, where, where, they've, you know, where they've got a self-managed team, and you know, I had that on the other podcast that I ran, uh, that conversation with their CEO. But when they get to a place of scale, then all of a sudden there's a tipping point where you have to shift to something else. And it seems to me that's where our platform would fit in. These uh, business models, platform business models, scale much faster because, as I said, you, you don't need to build. Uh, basically, you just enable, no? So you, you just create the share the space, the rules, let's say. And the way you can create these rules for interaction now, it's even evolving more widely because if you think that now platforms mostly dominate markets, especially the new markets that they create, you know, so think of Uber, Airbnb, but of course the, the first generation is the Apple, Facebook, you know, Apple developer ecosystem, the Facebook social system, you know, Google advertising system and so on. All these network now really dominating markets. But then what's happening now is that we have even a new generation of what, what let's say, platforms. Uh, and this new generation is made by what uh, people call uh, fat uh, protocols, let's say. So if you think of Bitcoin and all these new breed of platform-based companies, no, like uh, the ones based on the Ethereum blockchain. So these companies are, can scale even faster than traditional platforms because uh, they are very, very thin, let's say, in, in, in what they, I don't know how to explain, but actually a protocol, it's a way to, to share a set of rules. And the blockchain protocol that enabled the, the Bitcoin ecosystem in the last uh, six years grew from nothing to an entirely new financial system that is disrupting everything in finance. And uh, that was based only on a piece of paper, basically, you know, a scientific paper and a small piece of code that was created by this, uh, you know, this guy that nobody knows if it exists or not, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. But the thing is, it was just a protocol, and the protocol grew so fast. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the next generation, the disruptors of the disruptors. So protocols are more li most likely going to disrupt uh, platforms. It's a way to, to think, uh, I would say, something post-industrial. Post hmm? It's going in this direction. It's, it's really about uh, getting to the basic roots of agreement between parties, and see what happens. And that's what platforms are doing to some extent and what protocols like uh, uh, the cryptocurrencies and, 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 and blockchains and, and things like that are doing even wider, you know, let's say even more radically than platforms. Yeah, it's interesting. On, on, the, on this program, on this, uh, on this podcast, I have an interview with Michael Manelli, who's probably one of the top global experts in, in blockchain. And he described, I mean, blockchain itself has been around for a long time, but using it as a platform for cryptocurrency, as you described, is, is relatively new. So it, it's, it's really interesting to see how a platform can exist, but all of a sudden new applications come up that, that change and, and evolve, force the platform to evolve to a different place with it. So 
yeah, extremely interesting conversation. Let's let's talk a bit about practical stuff for people listening to this. How can they jump in, learn more? Where would they go for more understanding of how to apply all of what you've talked about to their companies, to to making the adjustments from the old way to a new way, or just from you know in terms of of uh, starting out and, and as in the place I'm at with this this new work, you know, is to to look at things to help think things through. Definitely. Well, I mean, that's very easy for, for in this case because we have a website which uh, is www.platformdesigntoolkit.com and uh, on this website uh, people can first find the whole set of tools and a guideline. All of this stuff is uh, released in Creative Commons, so it's open source, it's uh, commercially friendly, so you can even download and run a workshop with that. Nobody, like a little bit like with business model canvas, that's our general and original inspiration, that's why. So everything is open source, again, and you can download the toolkit and the user guide and test it. Then if you want to learn a little bit more, even before testing it, what you can do is uh, reading our white paper, which is uh, still available on the website if you, if you click to the white paper label. That white paper is something we wrote uh, uh, together with SWIFT, which is one of the most important financial institutions uh, in, in the world. It's, uh, in its way, it's a platform itself. You know, we, we created this white paper to try to give a framework to the people approaching the platform thinking to understand basically why it's important, what's happening in the world, how you can change your organization to be more able to, to achieve that kind of, that kind of strategy. Uh, then, beyond the, the white paper, we also provide uh, essentially three ways to cooperate with, uh, with us and, and learn with us. One is our public masterclass, which uh, is uh, touring, uh, let's say, the world. So far, we, we did only Europe, but we have plans to, 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 you know, to explore other places. And you can see on the website if there is a masterclass upcoming or you can just get in touch. And of course, we provide on-demand services for, for companies. I would say mainly uh, what we call design workshops or design sprints and training events like uh, private masterclasses and things like that. And this worked very well. Normally, you know, there's a lot of value in a masterclass, for example, in a private masterclass where you can have a lot of your teams learning this new approach and sharing insights in, in a single day, something that is very, very fulfilling for companies. And finally, the, the very last bit is to engage in, in shared and in collaborative research with us. So this is not definitely, is definitely not context of research, which is, uh, is done, is there. No, so we, there's a lot of work to do. In con- essentially, now we are researching, uh, connecting platform thinking with uh, uh, three contexts. One is the, the what we call the platform organization, which is uh, how to use platform thinking inside companies. Let's say to to really transform them in what I said before. No, to to beyond transcend the traditional boundaries of thinking your company like a, a set of employees using a set of resources you directly own. So it's about researching on how to use these tools and ways of thinking in inside companies. For example, in HR or uh, uh, open innovation and so on. Uh, second aspect we are researching is uh, the connection with the existing world of design thinking. As I said, we are in a, a moment in which we are switching from uh, customer-driven, let's say customer-centric thinking, like solving some, some customer problem into ecosystem-centric thinking, which is uh, really about uh, 
empowering moti- uh, the potential in, in, in ecosystems. And so there's a lot of work to do. For example, let's say we are used to customer journeys. What, what about an ecosystem journey? So what about, for example, the production part, the, the, the supply side of your ecosystem? So that's another research we are doing. And lastly, uh, and probably the most important now that will be, as I said, published during the, the first things will be published during the summer, is about uh, connecting platform thinking with uh, lean uh, techniques of prototyping. So customer development, for example, that needs to be evolved into ecosystem development, as we say. And in general, we are working on the concept of what it is a, a minimum viable platform, let's say. So there's a lot of work to do, and another way to collaborate and learn more is to research with us. So just to recap, download your, your tools and do, uh, and do it yourself with the guideline. Just join our masterclass, get in touch for uh, on-demand uh, workshops and masterclasses, or just get in touch to research together and explore the world of platform thinking with us. Wow, fantastic. Thanks, Simone. I really appreciate you being on the program. I know that I'll be looking more closely at this because part of my project involves rolling out at the platform level. And what we're doing is looking at how to measure the systemic effects of something like this. Yeah, definitely. From a research point of view. So the um, Swedish Institute for Computer Science is on board for that. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to doing that. So we'll have to talk about that as that evolves. So. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I agree. We are in age of systems. The platform thinking is the way we are suggesting, you know, to motivate these systems and coordinate these systems towards shared objectives. So that's uh, totally understood and, and, I, and I totally understand what, what you say. All right. Thanks so much, Simona. That was fantastic. Great. I mean, uh, really, I'm a big fan of this podcast. So we'd be, I'm very proud of being featured and I will share it with uh, all my friends. And hopefully we did some good service to the community in explaining what a platform is and why it's important. So again, thanks very much, Don. It was a pleasure to, to share some time with you. It's a real honor to be in the company of innovators like Simona. And obviously everyone on the podcast falls into that category. So I'm, I'm most grateful for for that kind of ecosystem that supports the work that uh, I and my colleagues are doing to really bring better ways of getting things done. My name is Donna Jones, wrote Decision Made for Dummies, have a chapter coming up in the Intelligence of the Cosmos and the New Purpose of Business, and specifically it addresses epigenetics and emotion in the workplace and how networks operate, which will uh, provide some, some sort of scientific lens, if you will, to, to what we're talking about here. I've also do a lot of work with in the area of helping companies evolve, specifically with respect to their decision making, with their leadership, and and, and and intuitive developing their intuitive intelligence, which is pretty much required for foresight and any kind of capacity to work with complexity. So thank you very much. You can head over to from insighttoaction.com for more information or contact me through Twitter. Twitter is T P D A W N A underscore Jones or, of course, on LinkedIn.